Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> the Twitter retweet button. I actually don't get that because it hasn't changed for me. I actually just downloaded yeah, the app and no, it hasn't. It's er, okay, so maybe everyone's talking desktop then. Well, but I, I haven't just, tried on my phone. I tried it on the desktop and it says retweet or quote tweet. Those are my options, which like uh, those have always been my options. So when you click the retweet button on someone's tweet, it doesn't immediately pop up the quote tweet box? No, it says retweet or quote tweet. That's what it says. What browser are you using? uh, Chrome. Hmm. Now, I will say, I never use the browser version of Twitter because ever since they changed the layout so that the the bar with all my stuff is on the left instead of the right, I I don't fuck with that. That's crazy. Like... Literally, they every time anybody ever rolls out a, a UI update for anything, especially a social media app, it's trash. Yeah, and it's it gets never worse good. every time. Yeah, it's never been. They've, good. they've never improved it. It's never been good. So I just don't use the desktop version of Twitter anymore, ever. So you're just a phone and Twitter like 100 percent of the time, even at work, even when you're just slamming tweets out left and right. Yeah, especially at work because I work for a living, unlike you, and I work <laughs> in an office setting. And uh, you know, I don't want 99 oh, percent uh, of the people that are tweeting uh, yeah, all the time sure. work in I an just, office setting. I just don't want people poking around my work computer looking at my tweets. I was watching the game the other day in the office. And I brought my computer from home because I didn't want anybody to get upset that I was using my work computer to watch YouTube TV, which is how I stream the games. And I got there and I had my laptop all ready to go from home, my my personal laptop to stream the game in my office. And because I work at a district attorney's office or whatever, I logged onto the network and it was like, you don't have the, you know, the security patches or whatever to patch into the network. So then I ended up watching YouTube TV on my work computer anyway. Because I wasn't going to not watch the game. Yeah, that'd be insane. But fortunately, they didn't care at all because everyone in your office probably dicks around on their computers all the time. And you don't have some high-tech IT firm that's looking through all of your histories and all of your tweets (laughs) and stuff. No one gives a shit. That's how every office in America works. Unless you're like working for the CIA, you can do whatever you want on your work computer. Yeah, and that's probably true. And and having a person in my family who will remain nameless that works yeah. for the government, I yeah, can right. confirm that that is true. Yeah. And I can confirm that they're not looking at your computers either. Nobody cares.
Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. It is Broncos week. Taylor, how are you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling awesome. It was a, a great way to get back to uh, our winning ways. We had one episode where we were recapping a loss, and it felt horrible. No more. Yeah, it did feel horrible, but now we're playing the Broncos. They're a bunch of jabronis. We are definitely going to kick their butts. We'll preview that game at the end. That new Manscaped read sounded hot. Check out our sponsor, Manscaped. Check out our other sponsor slash host, which is Sports Illustrated, Chiefs, Arrowhead Report, you know, whatever it is, the website, the thing. Yeah, put it in the show notes, whatever, Taylor. Do, do, your, do your thing. <laughs> So we also, uh, we write for Sports Illustrated, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. We also have a Discord where we all sit around all day and talk about the Chiefs. Uh, If you want to join our Discord server, just shoot me a DM on Twitter at Taylor underscore Wit, and I will get you an invite to the Discord server. Um, I was also on a podcast on Friday that I want to shout out the guys at Witty Not Funny Sports in Buffalo. Had me on to talk a little Chiefs bills, and I want to say that I nailed all of my predictions on on what was going to happen in that game. So uh, except for the insane rushing that we'll get to, but um, they were good. Uh, Matt and Matt, if you're listening to this uh, shout out to you guys, that was fun. That I think is all the housekeeping that I had. How about you? Well, I mean, it's very exciting that you got to go on a rival podcast and thankfully you got to do it previewing a win. That's pretty cool. They probably uh-huh. won't have you back now because we clipped <laughs> their team. They, we've DM'd a couple times. They were chill. They were like the only two chill Buffalo Bills fans in the universe, but um, no, no hostility at all. I assume that Bills fans actually are chill-ish when they're not like jumping off their cars tables. onto yeah. tables right. in the concrete surfaces in the parking lot. I, I, I mean, there's no way that a human being could maintain that level of intensity, <laughs> like no chill all the time, even living in Buffalo. Like I just don't, I don't think it's possible. So we got some exciting stuff lined up for the podcast today. As always, we're going to recap last week's game back to our winning ways. We're going to recap the Chiefs and Bills game. We've got a couple of mailbag questions that will stick there in the middle. We've been trying to kind of get to your mailbag questions. We've been pulling those lately from our Discord server that Taylor already shouted out. So if you want in on the action, hop on our Discord service, pop us some messages. And then we're going to jump into the Broncos game. We're going we're gonna to preview that game for you at the end. So let's just jump right into it, Taylor. The, the Chiefs played the Buffalo Bills on Monday in a game that kicked off at 4 o'clock Arrowhead time. That happened to be three o'clock my time. We covered this a little bit in the cold open, but I, I got up at 3 a.m. on Monday morning. I thought I was going to have a jury trial. I was going to be trying it by myself. It was going to be my first solo trial since I, you know, got got back into the whole court thing. You know, I've been behind a desk for seven or eight months with COVID, and I was all ready to go. I got, you know, like I get up early. I got up at literally. I got up at three o'clock in the morning so I could be in the office at five for my trial that started at eight and I was going to go in. I had two witnesses. I was going to knock the whole thing out, you know, before noon, let the jury deliberate, whatever. So I'd be ready by three o'clock to watch football. Now my defendant who I was prosecuting in this case decided not to show up. So he got a warrant for his arrest and I got to watch the game on time in my office, streaming it from my computer. What was your setup like? All miracles. That's pretty good. Um, I was working very hard throughout the entire game. I was not just watching the TV and letting my work emails go unanswered. I swear. Um, it was a very productive day at the office for me. And I glanced at the TV every, you know, one or two seconds. <laughs> sure. sure. So this was a fun game. I, 
it was a weird game. I mean, the the whole yeah. vibe was just very strange. Like a football game starting at, I mean, it started at five o'clock on the East Coast, so mm-hmm. four o'clock Arrowhead time. Obviously, a lot of people still at work. A lot of people actually were working hard. Yeah, right. As I'm sure you were. I, I definitely, I definitely was. I work in an office full of Broncos fans, so I had the volume like pretty, pretty far down. I don't think anybody knew that I was watching the game. To be honest with you, I nice. just I had the door to my office shut. You know, I was just, uh, I was just plowing away at it. But while this was a very strange setup, obviously getting moved from Thursday night to Monday afternoon, our third different Monday kickoff time. Yeah, and third Monday game in four weeks. Which is crazy because you usually get maybe one Monday game a year and they all kick off at the same time. Right. Now we played three and four weeks and they're all at different times. Just It's 2020. But once we got into the game, it it looked pretty good. It was a pretty good game. It was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a little sloggy at first. The first couple drives, um, obviously Josh Allen started off misfiring everything and then even the Chiefs first drive uh, you could tell there were a couple passes that were just um, just not quite there they were they were coming out a little bit hot there was uh, you know the rain everyone was dealing with the elements a little slippage but then the the Chiefs kind of started to get their feet on their on the ground especially in the running game I didn't even mean to paint that picture of feet on the ground but that's the way it that's the way it turned out and uh yeah I mean the the line which was a complete patchwork job I mean it was it was Fisher Nick Allegretti Andrew Wiley Mike Remmers and Daniel Kilgore I mean it it was just a complete backup job and they were outstanding yeah we got to talk about the offensive line because that really more than anything is the big story of this game. I mean, the Chiefs running game is the story of this game. And we'll get into Clyde's performance here in a minute, but yep. we got to shout out the offensive line. Mitch Schwartz started this game. He was questionable. He popped up on the injury report late in the week with a back injury and started this game. And then almost immediately, like in yeah, the first drive, drive the, the first drive of the game came yeah. out of the game and did not come back. And Remmer slid over to right tackle, um, Kilgore had already gotten the start in place of Austin Ryder, who they kind of said they were giving a little breather essentially that he's been working through some stuff physically and they just kind of wanted to give him a game off. But Kilgore looked great. And Nick Allegretti came into the game essentially with all the injuries on the offensive line, but essentially replacing Coleccio Simile. And he looked Mm -hmm. great. I mean, this group was – dominating physically in a way that we have not seen from the chiefs offensive line with the exception of maybe week one against the Texans uh, when we had all the starters in there and Osimile was healthy. I mean, this is the most physical the chiefs offensive line had looked. I mean, in years, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were impressive. It was, it was the type of dimension to the game that, you know, even during the Super Bowl run, um, even when they were firing on all cylinders in 18, they just, it was never really about the line. It was always kind of Pat making magic and, and that type of stuff. But this was, this was smash mouth. This was, you know, line up against a Buffalo team that um, although this year they are certainly having their struggles, they've been, they've prided themselves on their defense lately. And uh, they just, they looked awesome. They looked like they had been playing together for a lot longer than, no games at all. I mean, the, the, the group as a whole performed really well. And obviously the running lanes were there all night. Uh, Clyde was fantastic. He was, he was ripped off nine runs of eight yards or more, which was 
just stupid. I mean, he was just every time they would hand him the ball, he would either pick up a first down or get him to second and short. And uh, the the way that they all performed, um, 46 rushes by the team for 245 yards, both Andy Reid highs as a Chiefs head coach and the 46 rushes ties his head coach uh, record of for his entire career. It was just a – it was a, a ground game for the ages. It was one that as Chiefs fans – we are not used to it all, but um, given the conditions, it was a pretty welcome sight. Longtime listeners of this podcast will know how you and I feel about the run game. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care for it. No, it's not. It's not for me. No. I'm all about passing. If it was up to me, if I if I ran the team, as you know from playing against me in Madden, you, I, <laughs> never I, call the run I, play. Yeah, exactly. You and I can play against each other in Madden. <laughs> literally. Yeah. We go the entire game, call 100 plays, and it'll be Yeah, you better passes. run dime defenses against us in Madden because we are throwing every single time. Throwing every single time. And the Chiefs, up until this year, had been doing that under Patrick yeah. Mahomes. They had some of the highest uh, game flow adjusted pass rates in the league. They were among the past heaviest teams on first down, which they still are. They're still in the top 10 this year. But this was a, this was a little bit of a changeup from the Chiefs. And, you know – it worked. The Chiefs won this game, and they really dominated this game in a way that isn't reflected in the final score, uh, in part because of penalty yardage. We'll talk about that probably a little bit later. But this is, I guess, the downside of committing so heavily to the run, right? Like, the Chiefs did not take a lot of downfield shots in this game, did not have a lot of explosive pass plays in this game. And so even though they completely dominated this game, offensively they had twice as many more than twice as many total yards as the bills did they didn't dominate this game in the final score i mean it was a nine point game it was technically two possessions when they kicked a field goal you know up six late they they drove down and were able to tack on an extra score and then finished it off with an interception but that's the problem with having a ground attack i mean you're just you're going to slow the game down. You're not going to get as many possessions and you have to be efficient. And fortunately the chiefs were that they ran the ball with exceptional efficiency in this game. But at the end of the day, they still had to rely on the greatest quarterback in the NFL to make plays with his arm, to extend drives, especially late in this game. Patrick Mahomes had, he did Patrick Mahomes things (laughs) on the final couple of drives of this game to burn clock, to extend drives. There was a third and long, to Pringle that he converted, which of course has been making the rounds as a highlight reel. It wasn't even a designed play to Pringle. Pringle just kind of got on a scramble drill and Travis Kelsey laid two dudes out in the middle. He of the did with a sort of a, an impromptu pick in the middle yeah, of like the field. Like a sandwich pick. It was awesome. I, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but he picked it up. I mean, it was a, it was a change up. It was Andy Reid saying, Hey, look, we can do this. It was very mm-hmm. reminiscent in that way of week one against the Texans where the chiefs came out and, and not quite to the same extent, but they established the run in that game and they oh, established Clyde had 138 yards. They ran yeah. all over them. Yeah. It was uh it was really, it's a testament to Andy and to Eric B and to the, you know, everyone involved in the offensive game plans that they had seen the strategies deployed against them, especially recently um, new England and uh, Vegas and just when, when teams don't blitz, when they drop a bunch of guys back, the Chiefs kind of thought they could handle that, I think, if I'm, if I'm guessing. They kind of thought, like, oh, yeah, let them, let them drop back into coverage. Pat will slay them if we give them a, a bunch of time. And they kind of figured out that, like, it's really hard to throw against eight defenders. Like, it's just not 
it's not a, a ideal game plan. So then they switched it up, and I think the elements obviously helped them um, figure out that the ground game was the way to go for that. But it just shows the versatility of the offense. It shows that they're not um, so arrogant or egotistical to think that they have to throw because of any, you know, they just, whatever it takes to win. And Patrick said that after the game, um, you know, we, we don't really care how we win as long as at the end of the day, we're, we're the team that comes out on top. Um, it was, it was a, I do real, real quick want to bring up a guy that I was pretty disappointed with on the offense, which is Michael sure. Hardman. I think yeah. that with Sammy Watkins being gone and, you know, basically your McCall Hardman would then elevate to your number two receiver. He had one target and it was late in the game and he let it bounce right off his hands and almost get intercepted. That was the only target of the game. He looked bad in the return game. I I'm a fan of his, but I just don't quite know what his fit is in this offense right now. I don't know if he was supposed to only be like the Tyree kill role. And then because Tyree kill is there, if that left him nothing, I don't really, you know, all of his routes in the game were flies or jet sweeps. That's all they gave him. They just gave him either run real fast straight or run real fast side to side. And I just, I don't, I don't know what they're, if they have a good game plan for McCall Hardman or not. Yeah. I mean, he's a little bit, Right now, he's a little bit like a, a three-point specialist in the NBA, right? Like, it's all layups or or bombs. And he he has had some nice moments. He had a great uh, long touchdown against Baltimore. Sure. He's done that against Baltimore both times we played them the last, yeah. the last two years, uh, yeah. this year and last year. But I think, I don't know, the, he's obviously, he's not the direct replacement for Sammy Watkins. He probably would be the direct replacement for Tyreek were Tyreek to get hurt, God forbid. But D-Rob was the direct replacement for Sammy Watkins in this game. He led the Chiefs in snaps in this one. And then Byron Pringle, who we already mentioned, mm-hmm. stepped up and had some some clutch targets. I mean, he was more targeted in this game. I think he got a handful, two, two or three targets. He got two. two. He had more targets than McCall Hardman did, and he caught both of them. You know, yeah, he, he did. He, and he converted a big third down late in the game, which McCall Hardman, you know, didn't show the ability to do. I think – you do have to remember that McColl was not, you know, he didn't grow up as a wide receiver like a lot of these guys do. Yeah, you, know, you have a, a lot of guys coming into the NFL who have played seven on seven. They've been running routes. They've been wide receivers for, you know, as, as long as they've been playing football. And that was not McColl Hardman. You know, he was converted defensive back and kind of made the jump in college. So relative to other guys, you know, a guy like, for example, DK Metcalf, who, is probably the guy that Chiefs fans compare him to the most just because DK was on the board when the Chiefs traded up and took Hardman. And he obviously has been just unbelievably good. Um, But, you know, McColl, he doesn't have the same reps that a lot of these guys do coming into the league. He obviously, he, he got some reps in his rookie season because Tyree Kill did get hurt. And, then coming into year two, you know, no OTAs, you know, they didn't have a preseason. They had their normal training camp, but I say normal. It wasn't really a normal training camp. They had training camp, but he just hasn't had the same number of reps as you'd like to see maybe with a, a different guy. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because, you know, with the Le'Veon Bell signing, it's sort of speaks to, I think, a similar kind of situation that we're seeing with McCall Hardman. And that is that the chiefs are in a super bowl window now. And while they would love to see their young guys step up and earn the right to play a full complement of snaps, 
they also want to win football games. <laughs> I think there's a school of thought that I'm really pretty fascinated by. Obviously, the Chiefs had the luxury of sitting Patrick Mahomes his entire rookie year. A lot of teams don't do that. And I think – I don't know that we'll ever get a definitive answer to this question, but some teams that, you know, like, say, for example, the Bengals, who drafted Joe Burrow number one overall, they didn't really have a quarterback situation. And so they just decided, you know, the best thing for him – is to go out and play and he's mm-hmm. just going to play his entire rookie year and you can learn a lot by by playing you can probably learn more by playing than you can from from sitting on the bench you're getting live reps you're taking hits you're making mistakes you're learning from those but at the same time you know obviously the chiefs going the opposite route they had a veteran quarterback they sat patrick mahomes and they have the luxury to do that with guys like mccall hardman and even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they have veteran players at those positions, whether it be Demarcus Robinson, whether it be now Le'Veon Bell at the running back position. They don't need their rookies to play. And so their rookies really are in a position where they have to, and not just rookies, obviously, McColl's sure. a second-year player, but they have to earn their spot. Right now, McColl's not doing that. And, you know, I think he'll get there. I think the the thing that I said when we drafted him, I mean, going back two years ago before we had this podcast, you know, at least like he was a pretty raw player as was Tyree kill. Tyree kill was a converted running back that yeah. converted to wide receiver and, you know, similar kind of athletic profile and the leap that Tyree kill took from year one to year two was extraordinary. Astronomical. And Hardman obviously has not come close to that yet, but he's still a young player. He's still getting those reps at some point, you know, I think he'll make a little bit of a leap. But first he has to show enough in practice mm-hmm. to be able to be trusted in a game, to get the opportunity to get those targets and, and even to make those mistakes. And, man, he's also just been an absolute disaster in the return game. It's Horrible. The, the special teams in general, 29th in, D, defensive, or in special teams DVOA, and they're just – they're not – covering very well they're they're committing penalties they're not converting kicks uh, especially the extra points they're punting into the end zone they're they're just not doing anything well at all really and of course they do have the long return against Baltimore that is hurting some of their you know things like DVOA standings but it, I mean just the eye test the the special teams on the eye test doesn't look good right now and you know people Dave Tobe has a great reputation. He's, he's known to be one of the better special teams coordinators out there. Um, I just, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that they're going to cost the chiefs a game that they're going to cost them, you know, a big, a big drive or play or something. And it's definitely, uh, it's not looking pretty on that side of the ball at all. Um, I also wanted to talk, speaking of not looking pretty is Josh Allen. Good. Do we know? Does anyone Uh know? I don't, I, I mean, he wasn't good in this game, although we're going to, I'm going to throw out a QBR stat later. This does not make QBR look super good. No, he got it higher doesn't. QBR than Patrick Mahomes. In this yeah. Game. I didn't get and, that. I, I guess those pass interference penalties, they gave yeah, him I, I think they wait there. Yeah. I think they wait penalty yardage, even though it obviously doesn't take into account plays where penalties should not have been called. Right. Because the ball was overthrown or because it was just a ticky tack, you know, your usual hand fighting or your usual incidental contact, whatever. Does QBR give like Mahomes the touchdown to Tyreek Hill against the Raiders when there was a hold? I mean, you know, like what penalties does it count and what ones does it? I just, I don't like that. I don't like that part. I don't like that. We don't know how QBR is calculated. I think that's frustrating. 
that's the main the main issue and the main complaint with it. I mean, it does count rushing, and obviously Allen had a good game on the ground. I mean, he this is a, a very Lamar Jackson esque game from. Yeah, I mean, he only had six Josh more Allen. yards rushing than Pat did. He had forty two yards rushing on eight attempts, and Pat had ten attempts for thirty six yards. So I mean, eh, I I you he know, converted I mean, a couple more first downs with his legs, I guess. But either way, it was Josh Allen didn't look good. He no. was he was sailing passes and he was rattled and just didn't look like the type of guy that up until that game was supposed to be an MVP candidate. I'm yeah, I don't he, know what to think about him. He looked like pre twenty twenty yeah. Josh Allen, right? And that Josh Allen is the Josh Allen that can occasionally make. Now there was that one drive where the Chiefs went kind of soft towards the end of the game. They kind of shifted into a softer pre- pre- prevent defense, and the Bills walked down and got a touchdown in like five plays. And he threw that incredible touchdown in the end zone as Stephon Diggs, which looked, by the way, very, very similar to the touchdown that Pat threw against the Chargers. I think it was. It was either the Chargers or the Seahawks at the end of 2018. Uh, In fact, he might have done it in both of those games. (laughs) But I think the very first touchdown against the Chargers in 2018 where he was going out of bounds and he kind of throws it just to the very corner. Oh, on that Thursday night home loss. Yeah, D-Rob then kind of did the the falling out of bounds, pick up the ball Uh kind of thing that Josh Allen did with Stephon Diggs in this game. And that was a beautiful play. I mean, he looked like Patrick Mahomes. He he was doing his Patrick Mahomes impression. But, man, (laughs) the rest of the time he looked like – pre-2020 Josh Allen I mean just an inconsistent passer who doesn't have a lot of not a lot of touch obviously you know the weather was bad it was rainy but it wasn't cold I think it was 50 degrees in Buffalo so Mahomes didn't look bad I mean yeah you know you gotta you gotta step up and which which sample size do we believe two years or five games for Josh Allen I don't know yeah five games and not not super strong defenses that the Bills have faced so far no. this year. You know, they, they played the Raiders among other teams. So, <laughs> Right. Uh, okay, so speaking of bad, how about the end of the first half? Uh, what in the hell happened there? What is happening? <laughs> right. It was, <laughs> it was a, a disaster. In every way that we've seen the Chiefs stumble, that, was, that showed everything there. It was terrible. It, it was probably the worst, you know, yeah. minute and a half – of football, I can remember the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Under Andy Reid, yes, certainly since Patrick Mahomes took over as the quarterback. I mean, they just didn't look like they were doing. So it, they did look like they didn't know what they were doing. So they had a minute seven left and all three timeouts, and they were at their own ten. But the Chiefs can score in that situation, yep. and with three timeouts, they should have at least been trying to score. So they start <laughs> off running the ball. With Clyde, he does get 11 yards, but he's fighting for extra yards. Instead of going out of bounds, uh-huh. he stays inbounds. And later in the game, he went out of bounds when he should have stayed in. So <laughs> right. he, he had a rough game. And that get the rook's head in the game, yep. So instead of going out of bounds, you know, he's fighting for extra yardage, which when you're at the 10 and you're running the ball, like, and you're not Jamal Charles, you know, yeah. where you, you might be able to, like, take it to the house if you break it. I, I mean, you got to go down there or you got to get out of bounds. And then they let – they let – essentially like 20 seconds go off the clock before they snap the ball again. Pat takes a sack. They let 11 seconds tick off and then they call a timeout. I mean, there's no excuse for not calling a timeout immediately. <laughs> as soon as he goes down, I on was the sack, screaming call to call a timeout. And then, and then they're in a situation where Pat throws a dime and converts a first down. You're like, 
why didn't we start the drive with this, right? Yeah. Like they, they get to a point where they're kind of cooking a little bit, you know, after running all this time off the clock, after taking a sack, after, you know, essentially burning all this time with Clyde going down in bounds, they, they start to move the ball. Mm-hmm. And then Travis Kelsey fumbles the ball. <laughs> Not just fumbles. I mean, yes. He, he yes. fumbles instead of going out of bounds. Yes. He cuts back in bounds. Now, I have kind of thought about this a couple times, and maybe he looked up, he saw there were six seconds left, and he's at midfield. And he thinks, you know, what are we trying to do here? If I, I, I don't know. He might have thought, if I cut back in, maybe I can break one, even though he's Travis Kelsey and he's not really yeah, he's 30, a speed he's demon anymore. Um, but yeah, so then they punch the ball out and it's, it still doesn't even, the disaster doesn't even end there because they punch the ball out at midfield and they take over with six seconds left from the 50. And so you're like, all right, probably going to be a 67 yard field goal from exactly. there. So exactly. So not they got to do something yarder. there. And with six yep. seconds, you know, six seconds is barely enough time to run a play. So you, they, the chiefs lined up in like a, you know, half the defense was down at the goal line, kind of thinking there was going to be a Hail Mary. But the worst part was that nobody put a hat on Stephon Diggs. On literally the no far, one. The, literally, they didn't even go and cover him. So the Bills, who might have thrown a play, they might have gone out there to the line of scrimmage thinking they were going to throw a Hail Mary. And then as soon as they saw Stephon Diggs uncovered, Allen just took the snap, zipped it over to Diggs, and then he ran up the sideline and stepped out with one second left. It was a really well-executed job on the bills part despite i mean he wasn't covered so i guess i don't know how well executed (laughs) you know how how good of a praise that is but then they line up for a 52 yarder the chiefs were fortunate even though it wouldn't have cost them the game but they were fortunate that the bills shanked the 52 yarder and they didn't end up scoring there but it was just it was the worst minute seven of football that i've seen in a long time it was bad it was bad and there were some bad moments in the second half too. We already kind of alluded to it, but the chiefs had a two score lead in this game. And that was actually the point where I left my office. I sent you yeah. uh, just a, a message in G chat. I, I was sort of playing the, I've got an hour commute. So I was thinking like, when do I leave the office? I want to get home at a reasonable time. I don't want to stay at work for an hour and a half past, you know, five o'clock to finish the game. Yeah. So I, the chiefs go up two scores late in the second half and I'm thinking this game's over. And that's what I told you. I was like, I'll listen to it over. on the drive. Yeah. I'll just listen to it on the radio. I'll yeah. get in the car. I'll listen to the end of it. And of course I, I get in the car and like literally the time it took for me to walk from my office to the car in the parking lot. It's like, Oh my God, they scored a touchdown. And there's still like 10 minutes left in the game at this point, pretty much. Um, it was, that was embarrassing. That was just a weird defensive sequence. The chiefs like, They've been bringing heat the whole game. We haven't talked at all about the pass rush, but the Chiefs' pass rush in this game was as good as it's been all year. Yep. They weren't necessarily bringing Allen down because he's a tough guy to bring down. He's yeah, they didn't dude. pick a sack up on him, but they were big dude and yeah. very, very elusive and and fast. You know, good runner, strong, strong guy. But man, they were just bringing the heat. They were pressuring him on. It seemed like almost every play, they were clearly affecting his throws. I mean, you know, some of the throws that he made, he threw a ball out of bounds. It should have been called intentional grounding. Yes, where he, he was about to get sacked. No one in the area, and no one even considered it. No one even got the flag out. And Troy Aikman said, "Like, well, they don't want to call intentional grounding." Yet. Jesus, I, 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 I'm sorry. I must have missed the part where that's like a discretionary penalty. Like, I, I'm not going to call it if I don't want to. Okay, uh, all right, whatever. Troy. But aside from aside from that one series in the second half where the Chiefs kind of had a little bit of a lapse 
And aside from the egregious, just utterly embarrassing minute seven left in the first half, the Chiefs played a pretty clean game here and a pretty complete game. They did. They put up 26 points on the road against a team that many people believe is going to end up winning the AFC East, or at least maybe did before this game. Um, they, they were very poised for being, you know, a lot of stuff changed this year with just how, you know, between the, the line and the movement of the game from Thursday to Monday and all that stuff. And they just, they kept a cool head. And a lot of that's due to the, the leadership structure on the team all being still there and still great and all of that. But um, yeah, I think in general, you know, you and I can sit here and nitpick about football stuff because that's what we do. We analyze the game afterwards and stuff, but just in general, as a fan, you've got to feel good about the first six games were brutal on the chief schedule and they came out of it five and one and they picked up what was maybe the hardest road game of the year here. Well, at Baltimore, but then this game at Buffalo was not going to be a cakewalk by any means. And the chiefs walked out of this with a nine point win. It's a, you do kind of lose sight of the bigger picture sometimes when you sit there and, and bitch about not calling a timeout or something. The Chiefs right now are playing as good a football as we could possibly ask for the defending Super Bowl champs. And uh, I'm I'm excited now. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about the Denver game coming up, but then, you know, they've got the Jets and they've they've got some – it really breathes the, – the, the schedule does at this point moving forward. I mean, it's, Yeah, it gets they've, soft. They've got a lot of good – opportunity here in front of them and uh the bills were they were you know if if Clyde's fumble at the with three minutes left in the game where his he fumbles the ball after his knee touched the ground and if that was a fumble then the bills would have taken over down six at, at our 30 with three minutes to go so I mean this game was very close to disaster um but it wasn't they stuck through it and they ended up just you know it picking up a big road win. I'm proud of him. I thought it was a, a good showing in general, even if there were some weird spots. You know, your point there, this game was really eerily similar to a game the Chiefs lost in frustrating fashion last year at Tennessee, yes. a game where the Chiefs had – the officiating was awful and and certainly very not in the Chiefs' favor in that game, where they had offensive line injuries all over the game, where they had some disastrous special teams play. Uh, obviously, in the Titans game, you know, we, we had the field goal essentially blown up and then one blocked at the end. Butker misses an extra point in this one, which could have loomed large. I mean, obviously, you said they could have gotten the ball. They could have gotten the down ball six. back down six. And if they scored a touchdown seven. and just kicked an extra point, you know, like yeah. – all of those things and just very similar, just the weirdness of this game to the Titans game. And the Chiefs did lose that game. Then they didn't lose again in all of 2019. They yeah. ran the table through the Super Bowl. And this was a really similar game in a lot of ways, but the Chiefs did pull it out. When they needed to go down at the end of the game, burn clock and kick a field goal to go up two scores and essentially ice the game, mm-hmm. they did it. And I got to tell you, I was nervous on that last drive. I tweeted this because I was kind of, as I was driving, which don't do that. Don't, don't text and drive. But I, I tweeted basically that the Chiefs were using just enough time to not get the ball back should they not score, right? Yeah. Like they were. Yeah, because the Butker field goal was at the two-minute warning. Yeah, the drive was going to end with enough time for the Bills to go down and have the last possession of the game. Mm-hmm. 
But because the Chiefs scored, it didn't matter. They went up nine. It didn't matter. If the Chiefs had gotten stopped on that drive on third, the kick. And, third and long or missed the kick, the Bills could very easily have gone down and gotten the game-winning touchdown, and the Chiefs have, would never have gotten the ball back. They could have gone yeah. down, gotten the touchdown, kicked the extra point, and one by one. That didn't happen. The Chiefs got the win in this game. And, you know, at some point, you just have to say the Chiefs are – the Chiefs obviously are not immune – to losing games where they kind of do some dumb stuff because unfortunately we had to recap a loss to the (laughs) fucking Raiders last week. Okay. They're not immune to it, but they certainly have gotten more immune to it. Yeah. They have been in previous years. They, they understand what it takes to kind of come together at the end of games and do what it takes to win. And that's a valuable skill to have because you're not always going to have your a game every week. And no, you know, if you do, Maybe you're the Baltimore Ravens who won, you know, 12 games in a row and then decided to lay an egg in the first round of the playoffs. You know, yeah, like, they didn't even have their egg game every game or they won the Super Bowl. So, yes. I mean, you know, you can't bring it every – it's an impossible standard. And people that watch this team and that want them to beat every team 42 to 10, like that's, that's not possible. It's not – that's not how football Well, works. it is possible. It's just not – it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not an expectation that you should have. No, and. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the team, their efficiency on offense is actually up. If you look at points per drive, they were scoring from last year, they were scoring about 2.5 points per drive last year, and they're up to 2.85 points per drive in 2020 so far. So, I mean, uh, some of that's game script and that the other teams continue to try and play keep away. Although speaking of playing keep away, how about 38 minutes of time of possession for the chiefs? I mean, obviously when you run it 46 times, you're going to crush that, but that was, that was eye popping to see how long the chiefs actually held onto the ball in this game. Um, it was just overall third down conversions, nine of 14. That was where the game was won. They, the bills could not get the chiefs off the field. Every time there was a big third down, Mahomes was either finding somebody or taking it with his legs and getting it himself. Um, just a, just a good, a good win, a win that I'm sure they're very proud of. Um, you know, like you said, the total yards was, 466 for the Chiefs to 206 for Buffalo. I mean, this defense, if there was any questions about this defense before, you know, after the Raiders game, those have been answered. These guys are these guys are elite. They're they're really good. And that's uh it's fun. It's fun to uh have a team that can play well on both sides of the ball. The Chiefs are now 9 and 0 in their last nine nationally televised games. So they when the, when the lights that's are bright, that's really good. I mean, that's since the since the uh the Packers loss, which was not even with Mahomes. Mahomes is actually 10 and 0 in his last 10 nationally televised games since the Colts Sunday night game. But um, the, the chiefs just, man, that, that those lights get bright and these guys step up and they find a way. And it's not always the prettiest game you've ever seen, but um, it works. I'm, I'm excited. So we've got a mailbag question here from Jordan scaring one of our birds of war. <laughs> He popped this into our Discord server actually back on October 11th. So we got a little bit of an answer, but I wanted to riff with this uh, riff with you on this, Taylor, because we've had some new developments today, some some breaking news in the NFL. So Jordan asks, looking at free agent players or possible trades, who do you want to add to this team going down the stretch? I would love to bring James Harrison out of retirement to play a Suggs role for us heading into the later part of the season. So obviously – we already made one major addition, which was Le'Veon Bell, who we major hopefully are going to former Pittsburgh Steeler. That's right, exactly. We didn't bring him out of retirement, but we did save him from the New York Jets, and that's almost as good. <laughs> that's a worse fate. 
Yeah, exactly. That's it's literally worse than not playing. So I don't know. I mean, the big news from today, we're recording this on October 21st, is that apparently Antonio Brown, who has not signed with the team since he was released from the Patriots last year in disgrace after, you know, the Miami game, the only game of the year he actually played for the Patriots. <laughs> apparently he's been suspended yeah. this whole time, even though he hasn't signed with the team. And so next week, his suspension that he's serving when he's not actually employed with an NFL team, which is going to be over. And then a team can just sign him and have <laughs> Antonio Brown, which doesn't make any sense to me, by the way, no. because Kareem hunt, was in the exact same situation. We cut him. He was placed on the commissioner's exempt list. And then they waited until the Browns signed him to impose the suspension. He had to be on a roster before he could serve a suspension. It doesn't make any sense to me. And Adam Schefter tweeted this. So, like, I would be floored if somehow he got that wrong, right? Like, he has to be – there has to be some people that vetted this. But apparently Antonio Brown is just going to be – on the market, ready to play, hot week to eight. trot, like starting next week. Yep. After yep. next week. It's wild. It's um, the only thing I could think was that maybe, maybe when Kareem's suspension was announced, they retroactively applied the games that he missed with the Chiefs and that he, I, I kind of forget the language there when they announced Kareem's suspension. And maybe the way it works is that if the NFL suspends you, then even if you're not picked up by a team, they consider like, well, you couldn't be employed right now because you're suspended. So you're not making any money from that anyway. So maybe it's like a detriment to their, their ability to be paid or something. I, at the end of the day, the, the important part here is that Antonio Brown is probably going to play this year. He's probably going to get picked up by someone probably within the next week or two. And he's probably going to give it another shot. I have, No earthly idea how that story is going to unfold. And I don't think anyone does. But I do think that his, and I've been arguing this on Twitter, not arguing, but explaining my opinion on it all all day. I think his ceiling is too high to ignore, regardless of the perceived faults of signing him and and the, the risks involved. I just feel like, don't you think that his ceiling, his absolute ceiling is still the best wide receiver in the NFL today? Do you, do you do you agree with me on that? I do. And I think and I was not engaging in any of your your Twitter conversations today, but I kind of picked up the gist of what you were saying. I mean like what is the downside really? Right. Even even if he's a complete knucklehead and he yes. like has somebody accuse him of sexual misconduct and he's making you know dope YouTube videos, videos. Yeah, YouTube right. videos with John Gruden <laughs> that maybe so violate California law you know like so good the worst case scenario is that him. you cut him and right. like the Patriots last year he we're played fine. one game for him them and they obviously were worse after they had to cut him but they weren't any worse off than if they hadn't signed him at all yes right? like yes. they they took this a is- shot at him. They had him on the team. It didn't mm-hmm. work out, but it's not like it could you know, have. They, yeah, they 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 just cut him and moved on. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's mm-hmm. not like he he was not the reason they lost the Titans in the first round of the playoffs. Nope. Right. Like had Antonio Brown never signed with the Patriots at all, that still would have been their fate. Yes. Right. Like it yes. didn't change anything. He had no impact in that. Yep. His distraction in you know week three or week four 
didn't have any impact on how their season ended. And I think the Chiefs, you know, I almost think in some ways what happened with Kareem Hunt and then even what happened with Tyree Kill, mm-hmm. even though that happened in the offseason and they had to kind of ride that out, I think this Chiefs team is pretty good at moving on from distractions, right? Like the yes. Kareem Hunt thing happened. That news dropped on a Friday. They cut him that night. Yeah, like an hour they, after the news. They <laughs> played a game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then they just played through the AFC championship game as if nothing had happened. Right. And that was a huge distraction, right? Like, yes. But as soon as he was off the team, that's it. We're moving on. You know, like he's obviously he still had friends in the locker room, but like this team is such that, and that was two years ago. That was, that was before we had the Super Bowl champions. That's before we had Frank Clark in the locker room and Tyron and all these leaders that we have now. I just don't, I, I don't see a huge downside to it. Well, and the other thing is that Kareem in just in his specific example was a guy that that the, you know, a third of the playbook was designed for. And that, you know, was a huge, huge part of building that yeah. offense. I mean, he was a, a centerpiece for the Chiefs offense. And when they lost him, they didn't miss a beat. And that's that's much harder to recover from than to pull a guy in off the street and see what he's got. And if what he's got isn't isn't up to snuff if he can't crack the roster above d rob or or mccall hardman or or sammy or something like that then no harm no foul then you send him on the way the moment he opens his mouth and you don't like what he says like that's it's so simple and and on the other side of the coin as i've been saying dude the ceiling on this offense if antonio brown was 75 percent of the player he was in pittsburgh is light years ahead of where it is without it I mean, he is a game changer or was a game changer. And it's it's very similar to the Le'Veon Bell situation. There's some differences there. Le'Veon, in in everyone's view, is not nearly as nuts as, as Antonio Brown is. Obviously. Oh, yeah, not even close. And obviously running backs require a little bit more um, of the pieces around them to succeed and stuff like that. There are some different factors that go into the Le'Veon Bell signing. But in general, you've got a guy that at his prime – was the all pro at his position, was the best player in the NFL at his position. If you can bring a guy in like that and not pay him $50 million to do it, like what are you waiting for? Yeah, do or it. Trade or, or trade do away it. a second round draft pick like Ex- the Raiders did. Exactly, exactly right. So I just, I I don't understand the Chiefs fans that, that mostly that don't even want to try it. Now, if you want to be a Chiefs fan that says, I bet it doesn't work, and then if they sign him and it doesn't work and you want to go online and say, I told you so, that's fine. Whatever. But like, <laughs> sure. but like to be the people that are like, I don't even want to go down that road. I don't even want to entertain the idea of bringing Antonio Brown in for a workout. It's like, what, where are you coming from? Cause it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me either. I, I think the, the chiefs know what they're doing and if they would be willing to take a risk on bringing him into the locker room, so be it. I mean, I yeah. think the fact that the Patriots did it last year tells you all you need to know, right? Like it didn't work out, but but it could have. Right, exactly. How often should it work out? <laughs> but but really, the sunny reference there aside, like you know, those things are probably going to work out more often than not 
And I mean, certainly in the Patriots case, you can point to some moves like that that they've made that haven't worked out, whether it be, you know, Chad Ochocinco at the end of his career. Obviously, Antonio Brown only lasted a game. But think Corey about Dillon all the sure times. Yeah, Corey Dillon, Randy Moss. You yes. know, like think about all the times that it has worked out for the Patriots and worked out tremendously for them. And, you know, Andy's got a, a long track record of giving guys second chances and being successful with them, whether it be T.O., whether it be, I don't Hell, know. Hell, Frank Clark. Sure, Frank Clark. Yeah, absolutely. Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyree these guys, Hill. guys on the Chiefs right now, sure, a couple of them were given second chances. It's kind of what Andy's known for. Yes. I. This is a long way of saying that if we signed Antonio Brown, eh, I'd be for it. Let's, let's do it. Let's oh, get I'm nuts. Into it. I'm into it, baby. Uh, we did have another question in the uh, Discord mailbag from Lucky Sansei. Uh, this was just a quick one. He said, what's the best nickname for Clyde? Clyde the Glide's already taken, if you ask me. Fresh Prince of Hilaire is nice, I guess, but already feels overdone. Um, I like Clydesdale. I think that's a that's a real good suggestion. Um, Clyde that, Was that invented by our Birds of War, or, or did they pull that from somewhere else? Because if it was invented um, by our You listeners, mean Clydesdale? Yeah. I, I had heard it. I've, I don't really quite remember if I know yeah, who we'll, said it first, but that's, that's not the first time I've heard someone on Twitter say Clydesdale. We'll, we'll give the Birds of War credit for popularizing that, at least. That's kind, <laughs> sure. of, a, that's kind of a a an ironic nickname, though, because he's small, right? Clydesdales are big. Yes. And he's small. Yes. But he is kind of, you know, he's got the workhorse thing going, yep. right? Like he's, he's yep. uh, I, I don't mind it. It's not bad. But you can't force a nickname, right? Like. Nope. It's got to be organic. His Twitter we, handle is Clydro, and mm-hmm. I kind of just like calling him that sometimes. Clydro. Come on, Clydro. Sure. Like, I just Clydro. think it's a, it's a nice sure. little – yeah, and he – I've said this many times, but that dude's spin move is out of this world. It's so quick, and I he just is – he's so fun to watch. I'm so – I know that there were all the – there was a lot of hand-wringing about picking a running back first or in the first round, but uh, boy, am I glad after they did that that now that he's a chief because he's a ton of fun. Appreciate the questions, guys. As always, you can hit us up on Twitter or hit us up in the Discord chat with your questions. We'll try to pop those into the show. Taylor, that brings us to Broncos Week. And this is a this is a week that is near and dear to my heart because <laughs> yeah. of where I live and where I work and the people that I interact with on a daily basis. I've been wearing my Chiefs stuff every day this week. I've got my Chiefs masks. I got my Chiefs tie. I did not have to be in trial this week so i would not wear chief stuff during a trial because my jurors are all going to be broncos fans and i don't want somebody to not get convicted of a crime because i had to show off my chief stuff in court but (laughs) they are certainly not a jury of your peers exactly right they're not a jury of my peers because i have no peers in colorado i'm a chiefs fan i just get to live it up and enjoy the best quarterback in the world let's get into this game so the first thing, Taylor, is that this is apparently going to be a snow game. We're supposedly going to have snow in Denver this Saturday. It's October. This is kind of the the beginning of snow season for Colorado. It's going to – it could be kind of nasty during this game. But as I'm sure all of my Twitter followers are happy to remind me, even though I came out against snow games last year – Yeah. Right before the Denver game, in fact, yeah, where we played in the snow, Pat has spoken, and he is a snow game guy. And yeah. who am I? Who am I to argue with the greatest human who's ever lived? 
Yeah, the the logic there was just that you want to see football in its purest form, which is no weather. Like you just, you know, I especially from fans of a high flying offense, like you just want to put them in a dome and just let them go. But that being said, like you said, if if Pat's, Patrick is into the snow game, then who are we to say otherwise? It's uh, it's going to be fun. He obviously shredded them in the snow game last year. Um, one of the better games in his career and just a lot of fun. And he had a lot of fun. We talk about a lot how that mic'd up was some of the purest form of joy that we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. And it was just uh, the Denver team in general is pretty overmatched in this game anyway. So when you, any elements that can make the game harder, you would think benefit the better team. And I'm, I'm much looking forward to how, mile high looks with the snow and how the chiefs perform in the snow, because if it's anything like the rain in Buffalo, they'll be just fine. Yeah. Or anything like the snow in Kansas city when they played <laughs> last year, that right. was, that right. was drew locks first game against the chiefs and his only loss in his five starts, his rookie year, the chiefs and the Broncos matched up. They both played in the snow in Kansas city. I mean, this is a Broncos team that you would think has you know, quite a bit of experience practicing and playing in the snow. They play in Colorado. They play at mile high. We do get quite a bit of snow here in the winter. But the Chiefs absolutely dominated this game the last time. The reason the reason you, you kind of alluded to it, the reason I don't like snow games in theory is because they're injecting a, an element of chaos that you can't control to a game. And if you're the better team – you want the game to be played in as sterile an environment as possible because Mm -hmm. you don't want random factors like the wind or the snow to come in and screw up you having a better team and being able to execute at a higher level than the other team. It just introduces more randomness into the game, right? And you don't want that if you have a much better team. You just want the game to be played as clean as possible because if the game is completely clean, you're going to win the game 99% of the time. (laughs) Right. But – But the logic behind Patrick Mahomes being a snow game guy, I mean, hilariously described in this mic'd up segment, which if you haven't watched it, you absolutely need to go find it. But he says, you know, like everybody, everything's so happening so slow. And I'm just standing in the pocket. I'm like, he's just like, he, you know, with the the chief speed guys, uh, I've I've heard a lot of players have said that they, they feel like snow games favor the offense because mm-hmm. when you don't have you don't have sure footing when you've got whether it whether it be ice or snow or sleet or or even rain when the field is wet yeah the offensive player knows where he's going because he's running a certain route and the guy that's covering him the cornerback the safety whoever he doesn't know what the route is going to be. And he doesn't know where that wide receiver is going to break. So when the wide receiver makes his cut, he has the benefit of knowing this is where I'm going to cut. This is where I'm going to go. And a defensive back has to respond and react to that. And when you're dealing with obviously like uncertain footing and you're running at a high speed, it's dangerous to cut, you know, on, on snow, you don't know which direction the back is going in. It sounds impossible. Have, it does. It, it does. It, it really does. Especially when you're talking about guys like Clyde Edwards Hilaire with that spin yeah. move, Tyree kill with that speed and agility, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes with his ability to, uh, you know, sidestep and jump cut. This was the, uh, did I look like Lamar yes. game last year in the snow where he made just a, a ridiculous, little jump cut essentially on 
a two-point conversion to avoid a sack, it, it's going to be it's going to favor the Chiefs. I don't know how much it's going to favor the Chiefs, but it is going to favor the Chiefs. This is, as you mentioned, not a super close matchup on paper. Denver is currently 25th in DVOA. The Chiefs, I believe, are eighth, which is a little a little low. It's either sixth or eighth. I don't have it in front of me. But I do have the breakdowns by position in front of me. Denver comes in at 25th overall, 23rd on offense. The Chiefs are second on offense. And they <laughs> still have not reached – they still have not reached their ceiling. I mean, they're they're the second best offense by D or by by efficiency metrics in the NFL, and they they haven't really even hit their stride yet. Uh, on defense, Denver is fifth in defensive DVOA, which surprised me a little bit. The Chiefs are tenth, which is still very good, but uh, the the Broncos do have a little bit of an edge on defense so far this year. And then on special teams, the Broncos are 10th. The Chiefs currently are 29th. Big edge for the Broncos there so far. But traditionally, the Chiefs have had superior special teams to the Broncos. That's something that can turn around in a hurry, potentially, assuming Dave Tobe can can get that unit turned around. I've got Denver as the 29th offense. I missed what you said they were, but that's super low. I mean, obviously, they had Rapine starting – um, a couple times for injured Drew Locke and stuff. Um, but, and who did they bring in between Locke and Rapine? Wasn't it someone uh, else terrible? Uh, Jake Driscoll. Jake, yeah, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, yep, former yep, yep. Detroit Lion. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, they've they've obviously uh, haven't put their tape, and they lost Cortland Sutton, and so they've, they're, they're not in sync on offense in any way. And uh, I just, I... I'm very interested to see how they attack the chiefs because we've seen a trend one way, which is drop everybody back. And then we just saw the chiefs completely blow that trend up, which is all right, drop everybody back. We're going to run right down your throat and you're never going to be able to beat us. And so you kind of feel like Fangio who blitzes a lot. I believe he blitzes the fourth most of any head coach right now. Um, I, I just wonder if he thinks all right, I'm just going to send everybody in the snow and see how the Chiefs react. If they want to blitz the Chiefs, like they, the Chiefs have shown for three years now that that is the dumbest idea you can possibly have. So yeah. either way, if it's a dumb idea, Vic Fangio is probably going to have it. So uh, sure, sure. You know, dude, I, that guy cannot coach. He I mean, we're sucks. talking about three years, but especially just in the last three weeks. I mean, the the Ravens and the bills i didn't see the blitz rates i haven't seen that information yet for the bills but i know they came into the game on monday with one of the highest blitz rates in the league the ravens were the highest and obviously decided they were going to blitz patrick mahomes yeah in week three and that and turned out them. just absolutely horribly for them literally the best game <laughs> of, of patrick career. mahomes career yeah, right because they decided they were going to blitz him i mean he was 10 of 11 against the blitz in that game for like uh, 200 yards yeah his best blitz game ever like it, yeah. it was outrageous yeah but it will be interesting to see how the broncos attack the chiefs i mean they are talking about we are talking about a team that now under fangio has played them twice but prior to that i mean you've got players on the broncos that have played mahomes a few times obviously von miller's going to be out and they do have a lot of new guys on there so actually yeah I, I don't know how many guys on Denver's defense have actually played this version of the Chiefs before. Chris Harris is gone. Mm-hmm. Vaughn is out. But Chubb's been hurt. They'll have they'll have something cooked up, I'm sure. You know, whatever they think they have to stop Mahomes. I'm confident the Chiefs are going to be ahead of that, that they will be thinking ahead. We know 
that Andy is so good in the division the last week's result to the Raiders notwithstanding. And honestly, I think, you know, the Bills game, there was a little bit, you could tell there was a little bit of an edge from the Raiders game kind of left over. Like we got to go out and just impose our will on these guys because we lost to Derek Carr Mm. bombing the ball all over us. Certainly an edge on Monday on defense. We saw, saw that for sure. But I almost wonder whether, the fact that this is a division game and they just lost the division game. Like, I think, I think they're going to come out very, very well prepared in this game. Not that they don't normally, but you know, you have the occasional lapses. I think they come out in this game and honestly, I think they just dominate the Broncos wire to wire. Yeah. um, They have certainly shown a tendency of a kind of concerning tendency to start slowly um, recently going back to the playoff games and then, a couple of the games so far this year. Um, I don't really anticipate that being the case in Denver either. I think that they're going to be laser focused here. Um, I I hesitate to predict blowouts because I did it for every game and it just didn't, obviously it ended up uh, going the opposite way against the Raiders. But I, in general, I feel like if this is a chess match, this is a grandmaster in Andy Reid versus a novice in Vic Fangio. And, and the pieces that the Chiefs are playing with are so much better than the pieces the Broncos are playing with. I don't know if, although he practiced, I don't know if Melvin Gordon is going to play due to his DUI and, and suspension, possibly suspension looming and stuff like that. Um, I just don't know how the Broncos plan to keep pace. Um, the Chiefs did release their first injury report today. Taco Charlton, Alex Okafor, Mitchell Schwartz, and Sammy Watkins did not practice. Um, Colin Saunders designated to return from IR. I don't know. We've we've talked about – we don't when really know what the – designated to return, yeah, we don't. Yeah, um, and Martinez Rankin is still – he was just designated to come back to practice. So they still have three weeks to evaluate him. So the chiefs are, um, I, I it's kind of hard to say getting healthy, but they're, they've got a couple guys banged up, but really not too, especially with the way that line performed. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz and I, I'm not really super worried. He, they can sit him this game. If they want the best right tackle in the game, they can sit him, let him get right and heal up. They, they seem to do just fine. Um, without him on Monday. So I, I like, I think the Chiefs have plenty of bodies for this one and are going to be well prepared. Yeah. I mean, the biggest mismatch in this game, we talked about the offense, the defense, the special teams, the overall rankings. The biggest mismatch in this game is a quarterback. And the it's either quarterback or head coach. And we talk yeah. about this a lot, especially Both enormous mismatches, especially when we're talking about division games, because frankly, it's it's a huge mismatch against every AFC West team. But Drew Locke, listen, I know some of y'all are Mizzou fans, and I know that it's hard for you as Mizzou fans. I know, listen, I'm, I'm not going to talk shade. I don't really follow college sports. Taylor, you're a KU guy. I'm sure you hate Mizzou. Yeah. I don't have any animosity towards Mizzou. And I don't and care I about college don't. football because I'm a KU guy. So like. Yeah, right, exactly. I, I don't. I just I like Chase tell Daniel. You guys, yeah, was, yeah, totally, sure. And Chase Daniels had a great, uh, you know, great NFL career. He's I didn't like Blaine Gabbard. He's he's grifted a lot of teams out yeah. of uh, quite a lot of money. So good for him. <laughs> the perfect here's, crime. Here's the deal, guys. I understand we have a lot of Mizzou fans that listen to this podcast, and you all like Drew Lock because you watched Drew Lock for four years in college. I just 
Drew Locke's not very good no. is the thing. Like, I, I get that he can make some highlight reel throws. I will acknowledge that Every quarterback that he, in the NFL can make some highlight reel exactly, throws. Exactly, exactly. I'll acknowledge that he didn't have a lot of help from his receivers in this last game. But his QBR this year is 37.9. Now, For the he's year? Only, he's, yes. Now, he's only played two and a half games. But if you took every starting quarterback in the NFL – that would rank were did he have if he had enough games to qualify, which he doesn't, you know, like you have to have a certain yeah. number of games to qualify for these great stats. If he qualified, he would be ranking 31st out of 32 ahead of Dwayne Haskins, who is no longer a starting quarterback because mm. he was so bad. He, I get that it's a small sample size, all right? I get that, but it's there, not a good sample size. I get that there's. <laughs> some context to things like dropped passes, which I'm not sure exactly how QBR you'll kind of take that into account. PFF had him graded fairly highly for this game that he just played against the Patriots, but he didn't play well. He threw two interceptions in that game on what should have been for the Broncos, the last two drives of the game. In fact, I think what were the last two drives of the game, the Patriots couldn't get in the end zone and they couldn't make the Broncos pay for this. But like who who has faith in a quarterback that comes out and throws two picks, like literally in situations where if you score, you're icing the game. It's it's in a game that they had to kick six field goals because he could never punch it into the end zone. Yeah, exactly. That's what I I'm mean, saying. They, they just points. couldn't. They they just couldn't get much going on offense. And uh, I I'm not really scared. I, I saw some NFL.com headline that said, "Are the Broncos at two and three the highest ceiling of any under 500 team remaining?" It's like, well, that's a pretty fat qualifier you had to give there. Mm-hmm. But in general, no, I don't think they have much of a ceiling because I don't think they have a good head coach and I don't think they have a good quarterback. And I think that their best player Von Miller is out for the year. So like, and, and Cortland Sutton might be their second best player and he's out for the year. So yeah. um, no, I, I'm not worried here. I guess um, prediction wise, we might as well do that. I am going to go 27, 14 chiefs. I like that prediction. I'm going to just up that a little bit. I'm going to go with, I think the Chiefs score 30 in this one. I'm going to go 30 to 6 Chiefs, which I believe was the score the last time these two teams played. What? I think or the Chiefs that was are the going to. Thursday night where Pat yes. got hurt was 36. Didn't they play in the snow game after that? Yes, they did. They did. That's right. But the last yeah. time they played in Denver, the score was ah. 30 to 6. Yes. I like the Chiefs to put up 30 again. I think the defense comes out in this game. I think Steve Spagnuolo, we're still dealing with a quarterback who has under, I think this will be his ninth career start. He had five last year and he's had three this year, one of which where he got knocked out of the game. We were talking about a quarterback with his ninth career start who had by far the worst game of his career last year against Kansas City as a rookie. I think the Chiefs come out and just rock Drew Locke's world. I think that Patrick Mahomes, obviously to a different team, but a division loss two weeks ago, I think is going to really fire him up. I think the need, you know, obviously with only one bye this year for the Chiefs to keep pace with all the other teams in the NFL, Tennessee and and Pittsburgh technically are the, they're fighting for the one seed this week, actually, because yeah, they play each other. They're, they're both five and oh, but 
the Chiefs are right there. They already have the tiebreaker over the Bills, which you like to see. They already have the tiebreaker over the Ravens, which you like to see. They won't play either of those teams again, and they won the head-to-head against both of those teams. Those are teams that could potentially be competition for that number one overall seed in that bye week. I think the Chiefs come out focused in this game, and I think that they win this one in Laffer. 30-6, to we'll check in on our predictions. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully next Sunday is always snowy in Chiefs Kingdom.